When we're young, we move with freedom and confidence, with a great resilience to injury. But somewhere along the line, we develop poor habits and become more vulnerable to back pain. Back Pain Solutions features evidence-based and practical advice to help you take back control of your health and get back to the activities you love. This is your guide to better back health through movement. So join us as we demystify some of the commonly held beliefs about back pain and build your confidence to a stronger back the smart way. Okay, welcome back to the Back Pain Solutions podcast, everybody with me, Ben James, as always, and my co-host, Jacob Stain. Today, we welcome our special guest, Dr. Megan Brown from the US, and we're talking taking ownership of your pain and injury and taking an active approach to recovery. Dr. Brown is a board certified and licensed physical therapist in the state of Florida over in the US, specializing in sports performance and rehabilitation, injury prevention, return to play, strength and conditioning, and so much more. She's certified in manual therapy and is also an emergency medical responder and strength and conditioning specialist, promoting athletic and movement development. Dr. Brown's philosophy is focused on applying treatment beyond the symptoms by identifying the root cause of pain or discomfort correcting movement discrepancies and providing appropriate treatment plans with an emphasis on patient education to restore. Refreshing to hear. Developing strength and functional mobility. Her newest venture is partnering with the Laxbox, which is Jacksonville's premier indoor-outdoor lacrosse training facility, fully equipped with areas for strength and conditioning, athletic training, physical therapy, and specific lacrosse skills workshops, clinics, and more. With a keen interest in lacrosse and basketball, she focuses her passion on playing and coaching sports still within the North Florida area. So does movement and sport form key elements of her approach to rehabilitation? Are people doing enough to help themselves? And is there enough focus on preventative medicine in today's healthcare environment? Well, just some of the things we'll discuss on today's episode of the Back Pain Solutions podcast as we welcome to the show, Dr. Brown. Dr. Browner, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being on. And I guess, as always with other guests, a good place to start is just to get a, I guess, a bit of insight into where where things began for you. Was was sports therapy always something you were wanted to do from a a, a, a small young age, or was that your sporting endeavors and and response to injury or help from injury that kind of set you on this path? I guess. Yeah, there's been a few different times in my life that I decided to go this route. Um, you know, I've always played sports pretty much since third grade. I played basketball, soccer, softball, volleyball, you know, every single sport you could possibly play. I, I did it. Yeah. Um, I grew up in the military. My dad was in the Air Force, so we moved around quite okay. a bit. We actually were sta- stationed in England for, for a time in Lake and Heath. So okay. wow. <laughs> got a little connection over there. But, um, yeah. but sports was, you know, a way that I could actually um, engage with a new school. I went to two, two elementary schools or three elementary schools, two middle schools and two high schools. So I definitely had to figure that out quick, but I knew that I wanted to do something as far as helping athletes, you know, be able to move and not just athletes, but people in general, um, be able to move without medications, without injections, without surgeries. Um, my brother, he went through a really tough time. He was a wrestler and he tore up his rotator cuff. He had surgery, but he never really had that drive to get back into into wrestling again. And um, as a PT, I really think it's important that we connect everything, you know, mental, emotional and physical to to get our athletes back to where they want to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that kind of holistic approach seems to be gaining more 
I guess it's certainly coming to m- more to the front um, of the mind for everybody now as the internet. Maybe the internet has made a difference as people are doing a lot more research themselves and taking more of a holistic view because this is one of the things that we often focus on. And for me over here in, in the UK, I, I think that when, we, when we're younger and we grow up, we get free healthcare and people don't take a, a proactive approach to their health. Maybe that's because we get a, a free doctor, free healthcare, which is, which is phenomenal for us, particularly in light of this COVID situation. But does it make people a little bit, uh, shall we say, naive when it comes to preventative medicine and approach? And certainly the kind of aftercare after surgery and things. You know, when I've had a, a knee reconstruction for ACL injury, the surgeon was very good and said, look, you know, I've done my bit. It's pretty straightforward, but now it's all about the rehab and the, the kind of rehabilitative care if you're going to really get back to, to sport. So do you think that there's a similar change in the U.S.? Is, it, is, is there still a, a reluctance or a naivety, do you think, amongst patients about what they need to do for their health? I think to some degree there is. Um, There are patients that are very aware, especially as an athlete. You know, if you've had other injuries, you tend to understand the process, um, even if it was a small injury. People that haven't had a lot of injuries or maybe haven't um, had a surgery or anything like that before, they don't really know what to expect after the fact. Um, And so, You know, sometimes you'll get surgeons that don't even recommend rehab after, which to me is is crazy. Yeah, exactly. Because at that point, you know, you're trying to help someone and, you know, your surgery doesn't do very much if you don't have the rehab after. Like you could be the best surgeon in the world, but if you're not doing the things afterwards to help strengthen that joint again or help that person move again, you know, what's the point? So, yeah. You know, yeah, I what, think, go ahead. What I, what I quite often see is, you know, if you do rehab before the surgery, quite often you don't even need the surgery. And I think that's something that we haven't even touched on uh, in many places, especially in the Netherlands. Yeah. You probably know, I mean, with a lot of my patients, what I see is that if I would have left them, probably they would have ended up in surgery. And I mean, we've had pay, we've all probably had patients that after the surgery, you can do a lot of rehab and they get better, but not as good because the surgery isn't always the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the same thing here. You know, I, that's one of my things that I really try and get people before that surgery, you know, surgery is always going to be there. You can always go get surgery. You know, there's, yeah. there's not yeah. a lack of surgeons that want to operate for sure. Um, but you can't go the other direction. You know, once you have mm. surgery, you can't try and try all these different, you know, approaches. So I always tell my patients, look, if we do therapy and you are compliant, meaning you're doing your exercises, not just when you're here with me in the gym, um, you're doing your part, mm. we can really get this, you know, back to where you want to get it. And then I also talk to people very much so about the actual, um, I guess, timeline of surgery, right? So it's not just you get surgery and then you're out for a little bit. There's a lot that goes after every surgery, whether it's, you know, something smaller like the laminectomies that they do now, or if it's an ACL surgery or a hip replacement, there's a lot of time that it takes afterwards to just quote, feel normal again. Um, So I think people don't take that into account. You know, they just want that quick fix, but surgery is not a quick fix by any means. Yeah, it's, it's very seldom that somebody comes out of the 
surgery and go, oh, well, I'm, I'm fixed. I'm good. <laughs> right. You right. know, um, and yeah, yet that's, that's, that's the thought process though. I mean, I, I, I've, I, I'm in, in a number of groups on Facebook, kind of the sciatica and low back pain support and things, just, just observing some of these, uh, comments and some of the, the messages out there. And, and generally the, the approach is how quickly can I get surgery? How can I give me help for surgery? And that's what this group seems to be very much focused on. And there doesn't seem to be this thought process of, well, what's actually caused this in the first place and, and is it an incorrect movement or any of that? You know, there seems to be this, there's a lack of understanding of these, the, the lives that we lead lead to a lot of these problems. And there's this mm -hmm. kind of approach that I want it cut out mm. or the classic for, for chiropractor is, can you adjust my, my uh, herniated disc back in, you know? And, and mm. the realities are, well, even if I could, you go back to doing what you're normally doing every day, then it's just going to happen again and again and again. Yeah. So I think this is one of the, the key drivers for us with the, with the podcast and things is, to, is the education. Because that's what I realize is my role. One of the biggest things is educating. And now it's trying, to, it's trying to get out there and get the message out there to catch these people before they have an issue. And that's mm. the challenge. Is there anything that, that, that you're doing to, to try and do that? Or is it kind of word of mouth or obviously jumping on podcasts like this? Your, your view is similar to let's try and get people before they get an injury or certainly before they go down the surgical route just to see, well, give me a chance. Let's see if we can avoid that surgery because actually the pain afterwards is, is, you know, is, is still pretty significant or can be. Yeah, that's something that I definitely, you know, I think in the healthcare profession, we need to be educating more. You know, I've worked in hospital settings, outpatient and inpatient, skilled nursing, pediatrics. Um, I've, I've pretty much done it all. And that's one of the huge issues is just the education. You know, when you take the time and sit down and talk to patients, could be 5, 10, 15 minutes, and you just let them know, like, this is what's going on. This is what I can do for you before going into surgery or before taking that injection or before taking this medication. And these are the side effects of doing the surgery medication injections. You know, a lot of people make more informed decisions. But again, it's, it's just that education. Yeah, yeah. And how do you find patients re respond in general? Do you, would you say there's a percentage split of those people? Obviously, if you're dealing with athletes, then the the mentality seems to be different they kind of get it but with with some of the general public do you find there's a split in percentage of patients that just come in and just expect that passive treatment will will help and how do you kind of work to to kind of get them more compliant because certainly when i was younger and someone said oh, i've just never done exercise i don't i don't do exercise i kind of <laughs> didn't have the maturity or the confidence maybe to say this is how it is. You know, you've got to do it. And if you're not prepared to do it, then this is how it's going to be. Maybe you should see somebody else or maybe, you know, you're just going to have to accept that it's going to be a recurring problem. Do you, do you find a percentage split? Do you, do you do anything specifically to try and get people compliant or is it just saying how it is? Well, that's all, you know, the beauty of my clinic is we are all cash based. So I'm not necessarily, you know, sure how it is over the pond, but here in Florida, anyways, we get 30 days of direct access, meaning someone, you know, with back pain or whatever it is could just come in. Um, they don't have to have a referral from a physician and I can yeah. see them for 30 days. Um, and again, I don't take insurance. So we kind of cut that out as well, where the insurance dictates how often they can come, how many visits they get, that kind of thing. So when people come and see me here, especially, 
they usually have gone through the other routes already, mm-hmm. seen other PTs that, you know, they weren't getting great care at, seeing chiropractors, mm-hmm. seeing other physicians, getting injections, things of that nature. So by the time they get to me, you know, read my reviews and they're like, you've gone, you know, you've seen a lot of people with issues like I have and gone through, you know, kind of the same route. Um, that by that point, they're mostly bought in already sure. without me having to do a whole lot. But after the first, you know, few sessions and them actually seeing those results of not only in here with me, but them doing what they need to be doing, then they're really bought in at that point. Can I ask, do, do people in the States or at least where you are, do they generally first go to chiropractors and then after that, maybe they consider going to a physio or is it the other way around or is it kind of mixed? Because over here, uh, in the Netherlands, chiropractic is quite small. So people, th- there's a big physiotherapist. I think we have the most physiotherapists for the amount of people in any country in the world. Very cool. Which, yeah. So, which means that, you know, there's, there's a big uh, exposure to physiotherapy, which means that people would go there first and then uh, maybe they've been to a couple of physios and then maybe they would try the chiropractor. Is it, is it the other way around where you are or... Or not really? Yeah, it kind of depends. If it's spine related, then most people tend to go to a chiropractor here. Um, okay. If it's extremity related, it's kind of a toss up between do they go see their ortho, like their orthopedic surgeon first, or do they come to PT? Uh-huh. Um, so it's just, it depends really. Because over here, it's, uh, it's, it's, Generally, well, I usually surprise people because they come to me and they expect this traditional chiropractor that's going to, I don't know, crack them a hundred times in a week or something. And then I, you know, the first time I don't even, I don't even manipulate them. I just give them exercises or I'm using with a, working with a posture or, or resetting muscle groups to stabilize a joint or something like that mm-hmm. through exercises. And I, I quite often have to some of them, I had a guy recently, Dutch guy who was living in the Netherlands, sorry, living in the States for 10 years. And he came back with the, with the whole COVID thing. And I, I, I did the, you know, I, I did the investigation and, and we talked about his problem. And then I gave him exercises and, you know, tried to educate him about what we got to do from a functional approach. And then I, I actually did give him a, a quick manipulation. He was like, wow, is that all you're going to do? And I'm like, we've been busy for an hour, man. Yeah. You know, I've, <laughs> yeah. I've given you a little manipulation because something needs to uh, come unstuck. But really, that's not going to do anything for you compared to the posture training and the exercises and, you know, and, and the sort of, and the, the education I'm trying to give you with uh, which we're going to use to go somewhere with your problem. Yeah, people yeah. don't tend to value that that kind of educational piece as part of the the treatment and the investment. Which yeah, the whole experience, you know. right? Yeah. yeah, and you know, in my um, my network, I do have chiropractors that are great because they actually know what I can do and I know what they can do, and so we do a lot of cross referral stuff. Um, but you don't get that very often here in the states. You don't get. Mm very many people that want to admit their limits, I guess, and yeah. kind of bring in other healthcare professionals to, you know, like we talked yeah. about 
approach things holistically. Um, that's, that's a lot of what I do. You know, I bring in nutritionists, I bring in social workers, I bring in chiropractic. It just depends on what that person needs. I know that I can't be everything for everyone all the time. So. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting, the nutritional point, because this is something we've, we've discussed and touched on just how, you know, how influential that can also be. And again, you know, people just sometimes don't want to hear it or, or are just surprised. And again, it's back to that educational piece of look, guys, you know, this could have a huge influence on chronic inflammation, long-term pain, all these things. So it's, it's interesting, but I, I, it's a, it's a classic question we get over here. I, I did a talk recently and, uh, the question was, well, what's the difference between a physio, an osteopath, a chiropractor? Who should I see? You know, and the, the response I always give in terms of who should you see is uh, you should see the person that gives you the advice and an exercise based and an active based approach to, to your recovery specific to the back health at this point. Because for me, if all you're getting is that passive treatment and uh, that that whack crack, as I like to call it, then you just get in a disservice because you're going to go back to the day job and you're going to go back to these things. And if you're not taught about movement uh, and, and how important that function is, then, then how are you going to get better? You know, and it's again, back to that educational piece, but it's, it's funny how there seems to be a them and us kind of uh, approach. Uh, And certainly uh, I think there are definitely uh, practitioners, therapists that that are very protective. Um, And there seems to be a, a, a continuum. Some are very much, yeah it's got it's all about the adjustment and some are kind of far more functional and then there's people in between but there are certainly groups that it's um a bit cult-like shall we say what's it like in the u.s is it is it similar do you think it's it sounds like it's rare to have that kind of collaborative approach which is a shame because the the result and the the aim for us all is the same is to get people back to doing the things they love you know yeah it there definitely is that kind of divide, you know, um, but like you said, I think it kind of goes on that spectrum, you know, same thing in, in the PT world, you have people that got their license and they, they're fine just being in, you know, one skilled nursing facility and just walking people around all day long. And, you know, sure, that's, yeah, yeah. that's their, you know, their bread and butter, I guess. But, um, you know, for me, that's, that's not what I enjoy. I like the challenge of PT. I like to be able to mm. get, people moving as best they can. And, and again, make sure that they understand why they're there, what it is that they can do on their own. And, you know, if something like this pops up, you know, later on in their life, they kind of have those tools, you know, to be able to approach it. And then if that doesn't work, then they know that they can come back and see me again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was interested just on the point that you, you made about the cash-based practice, just kind of jumping back. Is, is that purely because of the type of patient and client that you're looking to get you just know that if they're cash based then they're going to be more kind of bought into what you're doing and telling them rather than kind of you see often these are free free consultation or whatever it might be and often that i say often sometimes that leads to poor quality patients maybe is that is that a specific approach for you that that you went down that route yeah, that's part of it. Um, I also didn't want to have my treatments dictated by insurance right. or people that have no idea what <laughs> what people need yeah, yeah. medically wise. And so that's sure. a huge part. But yeah, the, definitely people are more bought in and they're more apt to do what they need to do when they're personally invested. And, you know, money and time are big personal investments. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And yeah. one one question that we uh, I was interested to ask is from a back pain perspective, Often you, you, you said that, that patients or clients often go down that kind of Cairo route first 
do you generally find the ones that come to you are those that that haven't been given that exercise or functional um, advice and approach is it fair to say yeah usually um the chiropractors that i work with don't necessarily do the the strengthening or the movement afterwards um okay but and then you know there are those patients that have gone to chiropractors and here in the u.s i'm not sure what it's like over there but in the u.s chiropractors can say that they do rehab or therapy because our codes are not specific to just physical therapists. So anyone can use them for billing purposes and they don't necessarily have to have a PT degree, which in my mind is crazy. And, you know, like with the American Physical Therapy Association, they're trying to change those things, but it also puts, I feel like patients at a very big disservice because now you're going to a chiropractor for an adjustment and then you're getting told these exercises by you know like a medical assistant that you know may or may not have a certification in something but it's not very you know movement based and they're just kind of giving you broad exercises and then people kind of leave with that feeling of like well I'm not getting better and it's like yeah because nothing that they're doing is specific for you and you're not really <laughs> doing what you need to be doing so yeah yeah we have we have something similar over here where a lot of chiropractors will have forms or A4 papers ready with a sketch and an exercise and I'll just kind of hand it out mm -hmm. and say, do, do this exercise, you know, so they've yeah. been for their adjustments and short appointment and then they, they get a, a paper with an exercise and, you know, it'll usually be a stretching, stretch the neck like this or that, you know, or, or stretch a piriformis, your glutes sitting, putting your leg up. Um, and that's yeah, that's just that's just so poor in terms of being specific to the problem. And usually, there's been no investigation to try and figure out what they really need. It's it's a, like you say, it's it's a big disservice that people get, and people don't know better. So they think they're getting exercises, and quite often, whether people are coming from any therapist before they come to me, because usually I'm also being seeing people at you know at the at the end, they've been everywhere. Yeah. And um, then, you know, I ask them, because they usually get exercise, and I'll be like, what, what, do you, what did you get? And, and it's usually some kind of stretch or some kind of mobilization. And nine out of ten times, all they need really is some kind of stabilization. Mm -hmm. But there's almost, for, for some strange reason over here in the Netherlands, there's nev you never get a stabilization exercise. And, like, I had a... Uh, a, a lady, a, a girl, she's early 20s, and she, she had the shoulder issue for nearly 10 years, you know, a long time. And she went to neurologists, orthopedic surgeons, to, to many people. She went to, even went to a, a shoulder clinic, which I didn't even, I didn't know that such a thing exists in the Netherlands. And they told her, you have some kind of instability but because you have full range of motion we can't help you and you know we, wow. we did we did yeah we did simple basic stabilization exercises and i mean within two or three weeks and she had some neuropathic pain you know it's been there for a while so it just uh it was easily easily triggered but after a couple of weeks she was already having like 50 percent reduction you know it still come back with specific uh movements that would trigger it but She's now completely pain-free, and I just I had to laugh with, you know, a pain a shoulder clinic that that tells you you've got some sort of 
instability, but because you've got full range of motion, we can't help you. And I'm like, what do yeah. you guys do? What do you, what do you, what do you do over there? You know? It's not encouraging. <laughs> I'm like, do you walk in and you've got full range of motion? Okay, that's good. Bye-bye. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, that, I, and again, it sounds like, uh, you know, to some degree, and I think this is the thing, it's like almost a commercially driven thing that some, yeah, we do exercises as well just because it t- ticks a box and it makes them sound a little bit more specialist than, than they are. And again, that's the sad reality of it. It's, it's kind of commercially driven rather than patient-centric and, mm-hmm. and what are the outcomes and, the, you know, what are we really trying to achieve? It's that long game of, well, do it, do it right, do it well, and the patients yeah. will come rather than, well, let's just get as much out of these people as we can uh, as soon as possible. You know, I think that's 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 the, the shame and disappointment you see out there a, a lot of times. So so yeah. how long have you been based? Uh, have you always been based in Florida? The, the, the lax box, is that is that kind of a, just out of a passion just to to expand the the practice or out of interest? Where where's that that come from most recently? How long has that been on the on the radar? Yeah. Um, so the Lax Box, we've been open for, I think it'll be three years in December. Um, yeah. So body mechanics started first. You know, I, I, like I said, I worked at a bunch of different places and figured out that I don't like working for other people sometimes, <laughs> you know, or I at least yeah. want to do it a little bit differently. And Absolutely. sometimes, you know, with those big, big clinics, um, you can't necessarily do the things that you want to do because again of productivity and trying to bring in as many people as possible and you know kind of turn yeah. it around. um but that's you know that's not how i wanted to do things and that's not what i wanted my name to be so started my own clinic um in this will be five years coming up in october actually so yeah excited about that and then the lax box has just kind of been a brainchild of myself and uh, the other co-founder and we both played lacrosse in college. Um, you know, I didn't actually start until college. So that's kind of an interesting story too. But, um, and we still play internationally. Actually, in the summer, we go overseas. We've played um, in wow. Amsterdam. We've played in Prague. We've played in, nice. in Germany. So, um, you know, we're just trying to grow lacrosse because it's a great sport. You know, it's kind of everything combined. And there's great opportunities in it for kids to get scholarships to playing college um and so that's that's kind of what we do here so is that more of a kind of performance based than it is a, a rehab based thing it's uh yeah so yeah. i'm um i'm a strength and conditioning specialist as well so i do a lot with younger athletes um to make sure that they aren't getting injured so it's kind of it's kind of both you know like injury prevention strength and conditioning yeah yeah yeah, I think it's it, it's interesting that um, it's almost a different angle to that preventative approach um, because we we often say and we've di- we've discussed before that there are some PTs out there, personal trainers, uh, actually not physical therapists over here in the UK in Holland, personal trainers that actually you know are far far better knowledge than some of these um, chiropractors and others out there, uh, and in terms of that pre- prevention, um, but I think. You know, we, we see a lot of CrossFit gyms and a lot of injuries there. And there, there definitely seems to be that gap for me in terms of that preventative functional based gym setting um, versus the traditional gym with machines where you can just pay a membership and off you go, do your thing. Or, or the kind of CrossFit where, Jacob, you'll be able to input on this, where the, there's input from someone like Jacob, which is 
which is great from a movement point of view, but there seems to be a lot of injuries coming from, from CrossFit boxes and things. Do you, do you see a lot of CrossFit over there? Do you see a lot of injuries come from, from CrossFit over in the U.S.? Yeah, that was actually where I opened up one of my first clinics was inside a CrossFit gym. Um, and we had a good relationship to start, but, you know, I think they also realized that to keep people in the gym, they needed to do more like injury prevention or at least, you know, the stability type of exercises. And they weren't sending people to me when they should have. And so more people were getting injured and then people oh. were dropping out of their gym. And so it turned, you know, it started off really well and then didn't end as great as we both had hoped. So that's kind of mm -hmm. when I went on my own way and was like, all right, this is this is how it's going to go now. Plenty yeah. of patience as a result, but uh, but not the right philosophy for for you. Right. And Jacob, because yeah. you, you you guys have a a really kind of strict onboarding approach now, don't you? At the, the cross yeah, I, I, I suppose. I suppose I'm very uh, fortunate with um, uh, the how we work as a team. The two owners of the CrossFit uh, they they're good friends of mine, and so we. You know, I feel like they, they respect what I do and they respect my opinion. And when I, they send me people and when, when we have this agreement that if somebody's not able to continue at the CrossFit, then they, we will stop their, uh, I have to think in English now. Uh, <laughs> stop, sorry, stop. My, my Dutch isn't very good either. <laughs> no, there we go. There we go. Then, then we, we, we've agreed that they would stop their membership. And because that's quite often a worry because, you know, over here you, you are fixed, you have a fixed membership, so it will continue when you're injured. But uh, I've looked at them and I've seen, okay, these, the, the, this person is able to keep lifting or not do CrossFit at all. So then we'll put, they'll keep paying for their membership, but they'll get it back later. So it's kind of on hold, but they'll keep, because usually you, you have an option of a month membership or six months or a year, and you get a little bit of discount for the longer your membership is. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm very grateful that they're, they're really, because they understand that usually these people, you know, they, we're also not a very performance driven CrossFit. We're more a hipster CrossFit. So we, we, you know, we get a lot of young urban professionals and they, you know, like to come once or twice. You know, we don't have that big a group that comes four or five times a week. And so the idea is to, to make sure that they, if they're getting injured, which they quite often do, because there are a lot of uh, uh, office goers and you know they're not your most physical people, that they get back to functioning well and stay in the gym. And uh, so I'm very fortunate to have that relationship with these guys. And you know, and um, so I'm not. I actually have a, a treatment room in the gym as well, like what you've had. Uh, but I'm I'm not there very often. I have my other location. And, uh, but, you know, then COVID came uh, yeah. I, and then everything else. So we need to see how that will go afterwards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah and that's but, something that I try and do too is, is keep people doing what they want to be doing, you know, especially yeah. athletes or active people, you know, even with their kids, just finding different ways that they can do those things versus saying, okay, you can't do anything because when yeah. people get told they can't do anything, then, you know, it's just this whole cycle and more pain, more issues. So. And yeah. someone told me once this, um, I'll never forget this. It's you know, if you're outcome based and not income based in terms of getting people better, you know, going for the outcome, going for a good outcome, uh, then the income just generates or takes care of itself. And that's what I've 
you know, I think in the beginning of my career, I, I myself had a bit of trouble believing that because I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta have a full agenda. Otherwise, I'm not gonna earn any money. But what I, what I see now is really the more people you get better. Yeah. Next week, they turn up with both their cousins and yeah. aunt, aunts, and uh, yeah, <laughs> you're, just, exactly. you're just like, whoa, hold on. I don't have any, I don't have any That's space the message for, for the, uh, the young professionals and the up and coming PTs, Kairos, and others that, uh, like you say, be outcome based and the, the long term results will be better both for the patient yeah. and financially anyway. So mm-hmm. you mentioned um, the, the kind of a little bit there on the touching on the trying to keep people, keep people doing what they what they love and want to do, because there's obviously psychological or you know, mental influences to, to pain and injury and things. You, you've got a psychology degree. Is that right? Is that do you find that helps with your kind of patient management in any way or? is that um is that beneficial to some degree do you find yeah yeah definitely i so i have my bachelor's in psychology um and currently i have a program called the raise your game program which kind of encompasses physical mental nutritional and goal setting so it's that whole you know like we talked about that whole holistic aspect of things but what i've been finding especially with not just my athletes, but people in general is sometimes they're so blocked by something, whether it was, you know, a past injury or, you know, they're just really afraid of doing something or they're already sabotaging themselves from you know, getting better. But the body really, I mean, I think that the body can heal itself in the right environment, you know, and, right. and yeah. the mind is, is part of our body. And if we're not, you know, treating our, our mind, right. If we're not, um, you know, giving our body the right nutrition, if we're not setting ourselves up for success, then it's really hard to get back from an injury or it's really hard to not constantly sustain that same injury. You know, and I'm sure what you guys see sometimes too is people having the same injuries like over and over and over. And when it comes to that point, if they're having the same injuries, you know, constantly, then we have to kind of approach it a little bit different because now maybe it's not just physiological, you know, maybe there's some emotional component behind it. Maybe there's some nutritional or sleep or water or whatever it is. So I think taking, you know, kind of taking a step back and zooming out a little bit is very helpful. Yeah. And I think, like you say, it's recognizing your own limitations, but looking at it, looking at it, you know, from a, a far bigger lens, I guess, than just symptom based, you know, and, mm-hmm. and looking at it holistically, looking at the nutrition, the, the hydration, the mental health and, and all of those things. And then having a network of people that you can draw upon to support that and not kind of trying to be a, a hero and trying to believe you can do it all, which which is never yeah. going to give you a, a great result. But I think that's. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting um, point. I think with it, the more information I'm seeing out there now, there's a lot of um, kind of paleo or hunter gatherer kind of diet approaches. There's a lot of all these different things that are kind of coming to the fore now in terms of longer term health and a more proactive approach in general. It will be interesting to see what the kind of paradigm shift is in in terms of healthcare because it always surprises me. And it may, may be different in the US, but I'm not aware of any medical program over here in the UK that has any key or certainly in-depth focus on nutrition, which is quite frightening when we know how hugely important that is for our overall health to, to not have that as an element of traditional or, um, so we say, Western medicine seems to be phenom- a phenomenal shortcoming for us. Um, and I think, again, you know, Jacob, you, you 
say the same in Holland and I'm guessing it's the same in, in the US, you know, um, that I, I think there's got to be a different approach over the longer term in terms of how the, the traditional medical model is 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 focused and is drawn because for me it's the the antibiotics and things were a huge um discovery and hugely beneficial um back in the day in saving lives but it almost seems like that success led down this one path that is very much symptom based and i think that that for me is a problem so it 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 is interesting and it makes it more interesting as well to to educate those patients and to bring in other people that really can help them not just with the pain that they may be suffering with their knee but just in terms of their overall health um i think it's it, it it's a real interesting in area it'll be interesting to see where where things develop but i'm guessing it, it is the same over in the us you're starting to see changes but the the medical model as a whole is pretty symptom based is it fair to say yeah there's there's definitely, um, I guess, a path with that with symptom based. There is starting to become a little bit more, you know, like osteopaths here are a little bit more holistic. Um, and okay. then you do have some holistic, you know, pediatricians too that I've worked with. Um, so, you know, like I said, I kind of am drawn to those those people in the yeah, medical sure. field that, that feel the same way that I do and realize, you know, we have to, you know, it takes a village type of thing. Um, yeah, but right. There's still going to be those those people that think that their thing is the the you know save all. So it is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if I may ask, how do you do you work with nutrition with your your clients or your patients, and and how do you approach it? Yeah, so I actually brought on um, a registered dietitian. So basically, what I do, kind of like in the intake of the raise your game, is I have a a questionnaire and it's based off of how you feel about yourself in these categories. So like for physical, for example, it's a scale from one to five and it says, I, um, you know, I'm happy with my body or I like the way that I physically look, things of that nature. Um, same mm -hmm. thing with mental, nutritional and goal setting. And then based off of what people, um, self-report, that's how we kind of, um, form their program based on what they need. Um, so, you know, with nutrition, sometimes just having a conversation, you know, I have some athletes that they've had body image issues, you know, they want to be strong, mm -hmm. they want to be, you know, fast on the field, but they don't want to look a certain way in jeans when they're going out with their mm -hmm. friends or in a, a mm -hmm. dress or, you know, something of that nature. Yep. It's a very, you know, very two sides of the, of the same coin. And and it's hard, especially young female athletes, you know, it's very hard for them to realize, like, I need to take in this nutrition to be strong, but I also want to look pretty and feminine and, you know, these other things. And so yeah. being a registered dietitian, I, you know, is great. You know, she obviously knows a lot more than I do. Um, yeah. And she can kind of help navigate those waters a little bit more for our, our patients. I, I like how people will fill in what they how they feel about those different topics on the form because then they they give you the right to go and work with that because mm -hmm. quite often what I find when I work with uh, with my patients with their nutrition is you know you have to be clear not to uh, try and help them where they don't want to be helped right so right. you know and uh, you might see okay well this person's got to lose some weight or they're chronically fatigued then we need to do this or and they've got to give you that, that permission to go there. You can sometimes with a conversation try and figure out 
whether they're open for you to explore that a little bit and see how they feel. But, uh, you know, I mean, generally people, we all have very strong belief systems when it comes to our food and our nutrition. And, you know, if you if you tell a, a vegetarian, you're know, hardcore vegan or vegetarian, you know, we gotta we got to introduce red meat because you're, your iron count is very low. And it's, generally it's, gonna, it's not going to happen. So, right. yeah, but I like that idea, that approach. And that gives me an idea of maybe what I can do as well. Yeah, and it's been very helpful, I think, when people take the assessment. It's it's a little bit of eye-opening, too, because then they're starting to see, like, oh, yeah, maybe I'm not as nutritionally healthy as I thought, or maybe, you know, my mindset isn't the greatest all the time, and maybe I do need a little bit of help with that. Or they already know that they need a little help with that, but they don't yeah. know how to get that help or what that pathway even looks like to get there. Yeah, because yeah. I – and, and the, the funny thing is I, I have – generally, if I ask people, you know, how's your nutrition? And I know it, it's not a very specific or good question, but like they all think they're eating very healthily. Right. You know, but they'll, <laughs> yeah. be sitting, they'll be sitting across the table, chronically fatigued. They've just, on my intake form, filled in like eight or nine out of 10 fatigue or, you know, but they, they're eating, according to them, uh, they're eating very healthily. So, yeah, you gotta, you got to create that, that awareness for them first and then yeah. uh, and then you and then you got to go with it it's it's and it is a good point about the, the kind of the intake questions and things to to open up give you the op opportunity and the permission like you say to ask the questions so it's a, it's a great approach do you do you use that approach now for is that is this uh raise the game for for every kind of client intake or is that more specific to the athletic kind of side of things for you um, it can be used for anyone. Um, you know, if you go to raiseyourgame.club, you can take a look at it and see everything that's on there. And you guys feel free to, you know, kind of yeah. some of those questions too. Um, but I use it. Um, it's kind of separate from the PT, but still entwined. So everything I do is, you know, everything still has tendrils on each other. Um, and yeah. I use, you know, my journals that I've written. So restore, develop and strengthen those kind of all go along with the same thing. You know, restore talks about mindset and it talks about tracking um, and actually trying to see your blind spots or trying to, you know, I'm data driven as I'm sure you guys are too. And that's nice. just another way for me to, you know, collect that data and for people to visually see because they're writing something out, you know, like, what did I eat? today versus what did I eat two weeks ago and how did it make me feel that day versus how did, you know, two weeks ago. So you can start to find those patterns and, and create different pathways for that. Yeah. And it definitely gets right. people more tuned into thinking about these things. Cause again, you don't know what you don't know. And like you say, right, Jacob, exactly. people think they're eating well, but actually, you know, they're not until you actually dive deep. And, and, and again, back to the educational piece, um, you know, introduce some of these concepts that, you know, maybe you want to, you want to think about that, but actually the impact, the impact uh, and the potential and, and some of the research and information out there when shared is, is quite eye opening to a lot of patients. So it's kind of a, a privileged position to be in to, to be in that position to, to help and educate and, and empower people. Cause that's, that's ultimately our goal. It's empowering people to, to get back to what they want to do and what they, what they love doing and, and feeling confident that they can do it. And one of the things that, that I was saying to someone recently was, you know, one of the biggest, one of the best um, treatments I ever give is reassurance, you know, and just making people believe and that they're confident that they can, they can get back to doing what they love, but it may take some work and it may take a few different things and approaches and, um, and a few different people in terms of the input, but actually, you know, 
you got to believe and that's back to the, the kind of mental approach isn't it of of believing you're going to get better as well and uh, i think yeah if you can if you can package that up and and get people bought in and uh, and believe in then the 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 results speak for themselves which is which is what we're in the game for isn't it yeah and you know the confidence level too of people just starts to mm. soar when you kind of give them the tools and you let them be a little bit more in charge of their own their own recovery um so often i think even in pt schools we get taught like okay if this then this and you have to keep going down this route and it's all about the symptoms and it's all about just the body or that physical structure but you can't mm. just tease out the physical structure from everything else that's going on with this human being and their experience yeah and personality and variation there you know it's like you say it's it's got to be looked looked at differently jacob you want to say something no i want to I'm, I'm just curious megan what is your your typical if you have an office goer not your your performance driven athlete what's your general approach your functional approach to working with their core or the low, low back issues and how would you approach that i'm just curious um it usually starts with posture you know, kind of like what you're talking about, if they're sitting for a long amount of time. Um, I talked to them about actually setting alarms on their phone um, so that when they're on calls or they're doing work that they get this alarm and then that gives them that indication like, okay, I need to go stand up and do this stretch or I need to stand up and just move around or I need to go get a snack or go to the bathroom, you know. So often people are sitting at their desks or even at home now doing the things that you know, on their computers, they don't even have water next to them. I'm like, just get a big glass of water, get, you know, a tumbler yeah. or whatever of water. Yeah. And when you run out, go fill it up. Don't wait for another hour because mm. you don't have water, you know. So it's usually with those office people or, you know, um, a friend of mine calls them corporate athletes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> good one. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it too. You know, sometimes you just have to get people to understand that yes, just because you're sitting at a desk doesn't mean that you can't be active. Doesn't mean that you aren't athletic in some form or fashion. You know, it's it's mindset. You could you can be athletic. You just got to be moving. Great, great. great. <laughs> and I, I wrote in my last newsletter. Uh, I don't know if I told you this, Ben, but I wrote uh, how so many more people actually i think they anticipated having more freedom working from home and that they would have uh less strains and aches and, and problems from uh not being at the office uh maybe not even driving you know an hour to work in some cases but actually people got more injuries and uh it was it was going worse with a lot of people from working at home during this whole yeah. covid well it's not over yet but since yeah. March, and uh, and that was that was very interesting. And so then I was really getting on to on top of it and telling people, you know, you gotta you gotta move, or you gotta do some squats every half an hour, or you gotta go for a walk really, or like you say, just the essentials. You need to get that right because they'd come in, you know, with a, never had neck pain, always came to me for something else, and now all of a sudden, you know, neck and shoulders are just completely flared up. Yeah, and the, the the issues that we're that we're seeing when I have conversations is there's there's kind of two two elements that that I've kind of picked up on. One one is the obvious that people aren't just aren't set up to work from home. So right. some people yeah. are stupidly lying in bed and and working <laughs> off a laptop, or yep. or they're just sat at a desk. And then there's the guilt element that 
wow, this is unusual for me. I better sit at this computer all day and not move because mm-hmm. I've got to show that I'm busy and and be being productive. Oh but, yeah. You know, on an episode recently, we said, you know, get up every, even if it's any every twenty minutes to move about, or every hour you get a glass of water or top up that water. You know, have a break, have a walk. You know, you're going to find yourself far more productive anyway not just the muscular skeletal health and everything else but the mental health and the productivity yeah. is going to be far mm. far better you know so it's it, it is interesting how this kind of reaction to um to this situation certainly there's no uh, ergonomics or very little going into these uh, desk stations because it's just such a quick and reactive uh, approach unfortunately and it is leaving a lot of people yeah. in in a lot of problems and back back injuries back pain is numbers are, are, are going up and they were already high enough already, so that's a bit of a concern in the in the long term. Where could we be in uh, next year? Well, we'll at least um, you know we'll be busy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> out of a job with any of this—that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, maybe that's a, a great place to to start drawing to a close, guys. That um, if you're listening, an active-based approach has got to be the way. And if you sat at a desk now, here's your cue to to jump up and move around because certainly. Yeah. It's quite clear from from our side that uh, that movement, a functional approach, an active approach is is so important to not just back health but but overall health and other things come into a play: the emotion, the mental health, and and productivity. There's so many elements to this could, that could be improved, not just on the the musculoskeletal health. So, Dr. Brown, we we thank you. Any any lasting remarks? And and where's the best place that uh, people can find you? And we'll we'll make sure that we we share it all in the show notes when we when we publish this episode? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the big takeaways I would say is just find someone that you connect with or that resonates with you as far as, you know, if it's a PT, if it's a chiro, whoever it is, but that understands you as a human and as a person and that you are multifaceted. Don't just let someone in the medical field, you know, dwindle you down to just a spine or just a knee. Um, and, you know, I'm available online as well. So I do telehealth. So if people really can't find someone, I can help you find somebody, you know, reach out for sure. Um, www.bodymechmechpt.com um, on all social media at bodymechpt again. But yeah, I'd love to help out anyone I can. And I'm super thankful that you guys wanted me on your show and we got to connect across the world. This is awesome. Yeah, that's great. great stuff. The input, all those, uh, all those links will be in the show notes as always, and some great insight there. It's been great to connect, and no doubt we shall stay in touch in the future as we start to, uh, we'll change the world in terms. Yeah, of exactly. Pain. I'll have to look you guys up next time I'm over there too. Yeah, very absolutely. welcome. Yeah, that's for sure. And uh, we thank you again, and guys, everybody, thanks for listening, and as always. Reach out to us and uh, get over to iTunes. Give us a rating. It helps to share the uh, share the content and help more people and expand the show. So thanks again, as always, for listening. Thanks again for all the ratings we're getting and the, the reviews. We appreciate it. And we shall speak to you guys on the next show. 